Hi, this is Sam Lagana with the Los Angeles Rams. Who's house? You're listening to the Los Angeles Rams UK Podcast. Undenied worldwide. The Los Angeles Rams. It doesn't get any better than this. Let's go Rams. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the LA Rams UK Podcast. I can hear the delights of our listeners out there. Yes, it's me, Chris. I'm back as your host this week. Yep, that's my one fan applauding. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Joining me this week on the episode will be John. How are you, my friend? Not bad, Chris. Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure to come on and talk about the Rams with you guys. Good stuff, good stuff. And the godfather himself, Tony, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Chris. Yourself? Very good. Thank you. Very good. A good northern contingent tonight again, boys. Good to hear. No offence, Aaron. Um, normal format will be followed tonight gentlemen as usual uh, and obviously everybody kind of knows where we're up to with that we'll obviously look back at this week's 38-22 win on the road to the Texans obviously discuss uh, there's been a few trade deadline deals that we've done and a few player movements we'll get into that uh, look forward to Sunday night football at SoFi against the Titans and we've obviously had some social questions which we are much appreciative of you guys helping us out and asking those questions on a week-to-week basis and anything else that I've probably forgotten. So to go back to Sunday, which was a slightly earlier kickoff because obviously we had to change the clocks over here in the UK, uh, which threw me because I was expecting a a later one, so I missed about the first five minutes. Um, Tony, what was your thoughts going into the game and then as it progressed, how was your feelings after that? Yeah, I think we said last week, you know, it was it was potentially a trap game like the Jets game from, from last season. And I'm, I'm always wary of when we're doing well, playing teams that aren't playing so well and don't have a good record because the Rams of old have always sort of stumbled at that sort of um, hurdle. Yeah. I think we've got a different Rams team and a different Rams ethos at the moment. But it's, it's hard for us fans to catch up with that sort of mentality. They may be really confident and really competent, but we, we still hark back to the fishy days where, you know, any, everything was a hurdle and it, it, it takes a bit of time to catch up to that. We are a competent franchise. We're not a poverty franchise anymore. If we want a player, we just go out there and get them. But as we, as we went into the game, you know, the first quarter was, was kind of slow, you know, that, that one touchdown. But then after that, it just, it was just, it was so one-sided that you couldn't see anything else apart from a Rams win. And, you know, there was, there was that early, I think it was the second quarter, wasn't it, from Jones, that interception, his first of his career. And I think that just sort of set the tone again for the defence was on top. Uh, we was getting sacks when we needed them. We were scoring points. And it was all good. It was all good, Chris. Yeah, and... John, you you obviously were watching it the same as myself and Tony. Do you feel that confidence as everybody else and as much as the media like to say that if we are winning at half-time, it's in the bag? Uh, It's one of the ones, I kind of want to say yeah, but I think we all kind of have that kind of, you know, not anxiety, but we've got those nerves within us because (laughs) of, you know, the stat speaks for itself, you know, and you know, where we're at with that at the moment, I'm trying to mention it. Um, it's a case of, fingers crossed, it keeps going, you know, mm. so there's always those nerves that 
even when we are winning at half time. But uh, it's one of those ones, I just echo what Tony was saying, going into the game, there's, after what happened with special teams at the start of the Lions game, um, there is always that worry that we're going to slip up and we see a repeat like we did with the Jets last year. I think that that Jets game is like burned in the back of every Rams fan's minds that we should have went out last year and annihilated them and we couldn't. They beat us and they got their first win against us. And I think there's always that, you know, in the back of your mind, that worry that, yeah, a team might be come across, they might be doing really badly, but there's every chance that because they've got nothing to lose, they throw the kitchen sink at you and you just can't cope with it. And like, you know, with the Lions game, we had that kind of like stuttery start. But then once we found our rhythm, we just kind of, it was it was it was always going to go one way, and I think it was the same. Like Tony said, first quarter a bit slow, as most first quarters have been all mm. season for mm. us. But you know, once our offense, you know, essentially kind of finds its rhythm, it's at at its best. It looks like it could just be a steam train, and nothing could stop it. But there was always that risk, you know, especially going into the fourth quarter when we started <laughs> pulling everyone like. To lose twenty two points in one quarter, like I mean, we had we had uh, you know a few weeks back, we scored that in one quarter. So we've we've been on the other side of that, and there was that worry, like, no, they're not going to go back into this, are they? So <laughs> you know, raise the question whether we pulled our starters too quickly or not. But then, if you consider the fact that Atwell was now out in IR for the rest of the season, Jefferson had his big reception and limped off. And there was that worry, oh God, are we losing him now? You know, he's wide receiver number three for us in the depth chart. Uh, luckily, he he would have been cleared to come back in the fourth quarter. But it, I suppose, like, it's one of ones, yeah, we made the right call to pull them when we did. It was just that maybe we should have phased them out rather than just, right, everybody off, right, on your go reserves. Yeah, and, and that was the one one of the, the, the notes that I'd made. Now, we've had a review this week, gentlemen, on our podcast. Um, and it came up on as, as a notification to me where sometimes we were a little bit too negative when I'm winning, so I'm trying to be positive here. But <laughs> do and that was one of being one of my questions to you, Tony. Exactly what John said there. Should we have pulled everybody out of the game so quickly? When yes, we were 38 points up or 38, whatever it was. But it did feel and and well, the other question I suppose is, how are our second string strong enough? to actually be able to be brought into a game straight off without feeding other players back into it, if that kind of makes sense. I think I'll answer the second bit first. You know, obviously our second string players aren't good enough um, to be to be considered first line players for the, for the team, as shown, because we, it, was, it was actually on eight minutes that the Texans started scoring. There was eight minutes left in the fourth quarter when they started scoring. So that's how far we went without mm. conceding a point. And, you know, I, I think Tom um, summed it up quite nicely on Twitter. Um, he had a run, random number generator for injuries to our main players if you, if you didn't think we should have pulled our players at that point. So every, everybody that said, no, we shouldn't have pulled our first teamers, he randomly generated a player that generated an injury for that player. Mm. And that's the sort of equation you've got to put. At the end of the day, we conceded twenty-two points. Don't care. We got the double. We got the win. Yeah, I completely that's, agree. That, with that. That's the record that counts. Yes. Yeah. Who's going to remember at the end of the season that we 
we, we conceded 22 points in eight minutes. There's always that analogy that there's no pictures on a league table. There's just the points. <laughs> Simple as that. So if you it get is. the win and you get the points, you move on. Yep. And you know, in, as a Manchester United fan in current form, I'm with that. <laughs> you, you can make an argument that we, we could have pulled out half of the first team on the offense and sort of yeah. kept it going, and half of the the, the, the starters on the defense and, and kept the the score further away, made a bigger points differential. But uh, we got the win. We got all we needed. We got home fairly healthy, and we'll come on to some of the injuries after after we've analysed this game. But you know, it's job done. We, we did what yeah. needed to be done, and we're moving on. I agree. I think it, it was it was job done, wasn't it? And I think a couple of the things that I'd, I'd noted down on there, which I suppose is can always be a bit of a worry on the back end of it. If anything was, I don't want to be the one that says this, but if anything was to happen to Stafford. Again, another good game from him. 305 yards, three touchdowns. Wolf would come in and got five yards. He effectively had a quarter at it, if not a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of... If you if you see where he is now to where he was potentially the season before, where he was looking at being our saviour when Jared Goff got injured. There's something... Again, oh, is he not getting enough reps? Is he not seeing enough of the ball? Is he not... He just didn't look on it at all for me. Isn't that the gap between Goff and Stafford, though, that makes yeah. the gap between Stafford and Walford look yeah. even bigger? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, in terms of Walford last year, like you said, Chris, he was seen as a saviour for us. Like, the performances we had from Goff when Walford came in, it was totally different. We had a, someone that was willing to move on the field. Whereas now we've got, without a doubt, what I would call it an elite status quarterback. So it's like going back the way with Wilford. And, you know, the time that he was on the field, um, I think we only, I think he only had three drives and we accumulated 11 yards from the three drives. I think the two, two of them were four and outs, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our one, I think we just made the first down. I, don't, I can't remember. Uh, but... You know, he only had two attempts and one only one of them was completed. Um, my my worry is that I, with someone with having Stafford now, it highlights that our backup, our quarterback two, isn't up to scratch. That if Stafford, you know, became injured or had to be pulled for whatever reason, I don't think Wilford would be good enough to make that step up. Which is it's sad because last December I was saying the opposite. He's a quarterback that's willing to scramble and look and try to make a play. But I think it's just the position we were in last year. Wilford looked like a totally different quarterback than from what he does now. And I don't think that's in, that's it's a case of he's you know regressed or anything. It's the quarterback he is. Just that we've got a better quarterback now. The quality that we've now yes, got. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you look around the league, and we, we may go into that a little bit further, but you are now, you're probably seeing five or six, maybe even more than that, number two quarterbacks probably getting a start this week due to injuries, due to COVID and everything like that. So it does show the highlight. Again, we, we've had, obviously we had Blake Bortles there for a year, and Wolford's now, there's just a second or third year, that the second quarterback is, is probably one of a very important position 
because you don't know when you're going to get thrown in. You could get thrown in on a game when you're actually blowing them out 38-0, or you may be thrown in because the quarterback's gone down. So that that was one worry to me as it, as it came in. And, and again, I'm trying to be positive and look for the positive angle. But there is always that worry that if anything was to happen, and they, they were actually saying, if I remember rightly, during commentary, that Stafford was actually having a heat pack on his back during the game. I don't know if he picked up on that, Tony. I, I do remember hearing that, yes, but he's, what is he, 33 now, 34, yeah. you know, um, and he's a professional athlete. He's, he's not averse to being sacked, although he only got sacked once this weekend. But, you know, he's got a heat pack. You know, it's, that's, I, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think most people, you know, I mean, we all remember Stephen Jackson having his ice baths uh, <laughs> after games yeah, and um, going down the grocery store and buying pounds and pounds of ice. You know, that's how athletes look after themselves. It's a muscle relaxant. Yeah, I think it's uh, they've got to look after themselves a little bit better. And I think as we now come down to the business end of the season, that this is where NFL players' bodies start to feel it I suppose isn't it and I suppose when you are getting of a, a slightly tender age of that I suppose it probably feels a little bit more Tony I'm going to come to you for this next question because I think you're the right person to answer it can Cooper Cup win the MVP yes of course he can is he, is he on a completely different level at the present moment in time than where you thought he would be that's that's oh crikey! Yes, I, I, th- I think we've always known, and I've, I've always known. I think we've all collectively known that he is a good wide receiver. I think the difference this year, and I think we've said it a couple of times on podcasts already, for uh, the bane of re- repeating ourselves ad infinitum, but it's, it's because he's got to this different level because of Matthew Stafford. And the way he's been targeted on a regular basis. And do you think it's a trust thing, John? Do you think it's the fact that he actually can trust to make the route to turn around and find the ball, where he's not having to turn and look to see if it's coming? Yeah. Uh, We've we've spoke before about how Stafford and Cup are just totally in sync. They know where each other are on the field. Stafford doesn't even have to be looking at Cup to know where to throw the ball. So both of them do seem to have that trust that Stafford knows where he can launch it to and Cup will be there. Cup knows just run the route and all I have to do is just hands out. If he's thrown the ball, it's in my hands when we've seen that countless times this season. And I actually seem to recall a couple of seasons ago, in fact, uh, submitting a question in the podcast asking about Cooper Cup. Do, at the time I asked you guys, like, do you think he's totally underrated as a wide receiver? And it was pre, it was before the London game, before he made that big play, uh, and I remember you guys saying at the time that he really is, and and he really needs someone to be able to like let him just unleash himself on defenses. And I think now that he's got someone who can sling it anywhere on the field, it can just allow Cup to focus on the route he's got to do rather than I've got to run the route. No, hold on, right? Am I going to have to block now because we've decided to throw a screen pass instead of throwing it to me? So he's been trusted to just focus on his job in each play, do it. And he, like I said, he knows if the ball's coming his way, it's, it's in his arms. Yeah. I think it's been very rare this season. I think it's, so you're lucky if it's only been like, it's less than a handful of times where Stafford hasn't completed a pass to Cup 
Um, I think there was one, or I can't even remember what game it was, uh, it was a few weeks ago, where it, Cup, Cup had kind of adjusted his route, I think, and Stafford had already launched it before uh, he'd saw Cup make the adjustment. So that was only one, one time where I've picked up where they've not been in sync like that. It, it is scary to think of that. And, and we're talking this, and, I, and I'd like to probably explain myself as the untrained eye, but people are watching film on these guys on a week-to-week basis and they can still do it. And I think that, for me, is the, the class of both of them, to the fact that they are good enough to beat that. And it doesn't matter who you're playing, they're all professional athletes, as Tony mentioned before. So they should be able to, some better than others, watch where he's effectively going, follow the route. But there's just the, the, the clever of mind between the two of them, I think, that they're they're just on a completely separate page to everybody else on a completely different level. And and it's nice to see from our side. And I think it's also nice to see the fact that the the love in, invest, in inverted commas of what he's actually getting from the media when you actually see it on the NFL network and, and the, the NFL fantasy, which you obviously get over in the UK now on the NFL channel everybody's mentioning about Cooper Cup, obviously, and they're mentioning, actually, we've been telling you about Stafford for years. If he actually had a decent team, he would do this. And I think that, as Tony said before, as a Rams fan, we're, we're kind of not used to people talking about us like that, even though since McVeigh's come in, we should be happy to then hear that we're still in that mindset of, like, oh, my God, they're still talking about us. Do you, do you think that's right in saying that, Tony? It is, yeah, and it's nice. It's nice that we're sort of in this situation. It feels kind of strange because we've not been in this position for a very long while, even though we got to the Super Bowl a few years ago. And it's, I feel a little bit uncomfortable about it to be honest. <laughs> so I'm not the type of person that follows successful teams with Valencia, <laughs> Fiorentina, and Hull City. And, you know, the LA Rams are, are the shining star at the moment for me. And I think it's worth going back, you know, and looking at, um, um, Sean McVeigh, because it, it was his 50th win yeah. with us. So he's now 15 22, I think it is. That's and impressive. He's, and he's now overtaking Belichick now with his record of you know leading at a certain point in the game. Is it? Is it? Good. And, and he's not too bad either, was he, I suppose? <laughs> he's done all right for himself, that Bill guy. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, just uh, talking about Stafford and Cup right as a pair. I saw um, just earlier on this evening, um, PFF um, posting it was a quote from uh, Joe Burrow and um, is it, is it, is it, it's Jamar Chase, isn't it? I keep calling him Lamar Chase. I'm terrible with names sometimes. Uh, they were saying about how they're they're coming after the best quarterback receiver duo in the league, and they named Aaron Rodgers and Devante Adams as the best QB wide receiver duo in the league. My question to you guys is why are they, why is why are they not considering Stafford and Cup as the best? Because Cup is currently rated as the number one wide receiver in the league. And for some reason they're not really talking about Stafford being in the race for MVP either. With him recording like for the fourth time this year, which is actually most in his career a quarterback rating of over 125. Stafford is playing his best football this year. So why can't people seem to say that those Stafford and Cup are the best? Why are they still thinking that Rodgers and Adams are the best? Because it's Rodgers. And I think that's the, the stigma around it for me, isn't it? It's Aaron Rodgers. 
and he is the one of the poster boys of the NFL, I suppose. Um, that that I think that's always going to be the way he is a future Hall of Famer. We I understand that, and I think that's for me that's the stigma that that is around Stafford as a player because of where he's been before, and it's the stigma around us as a team. And I think that's that's the only thing for me. I don't know if you what you got anything else to put onto that, Tony. Sorry, I, I was on mute before because I was laughing so hard that Aaron Rodgers was was being paired with Devontae Adams as the the top wide receiver <laughs> quarterback duo. I was, I've just had to strap up my ribs a little bit because you know Devontae Adams is having a good season, but he's he's not he's ranked what's the fourth best receiver. Uh, stats wise, whereas Cooper Cup is top. And if you look at the stats for Aaron Rodgers, he's ranked 18th in, in passing yards so far this season. Uh, and yeah, I, I just don't see. And I think I think you're right. I think it is about where Stafford has been before 11 seasons with the Lions, not not achieving very much at all there, but putting up good numbers pretty much year on year. And I think now that he's got a much more competent team around him he's still putting up those numbers big time and he's got some elite players he's not just got one elite player to play alongside him he's got several elite players on both sides of the ball no i agree and one of the the, the one player that again and i think i mentioned it last time i was on the pod and you mentioned there about the the on both sides of the ball. One guy I think that stood out again for me this week on the defensive side of the ball was Leonard Floyd. I th- the guy's immense. And I just think he's getting better and better. And I think we'll talk about it again, maybe in, in a couple of minutes' time when we start talking about trades and, and potential tr- deadlines that, that have happened. I can only see him getting better. Is that I, a bit of bromance coming through there, Chris? Cause yeah, I think he's my man. That's nearly every time. And, and this is where I think I'm a bit of a defensive kind of guy because, as you everybody knows on here, AD is my man. But Floyd, he's just a, he's just a monster. Like, and I, I think he's only going to get more chance. And and I'll come into that further on. I think what what he's effectively doing is utilizing again, as we've spoken about many a times on here, that people are going for a, for for Donald. So he's utilising that space. Definitely. And he's yeah. massive. <laughs> and he's huge. <laughs> and that's so no, something we've, we've, we've picked out in previous podcasts as well, that, you know, other seasons, Aaron Donald's being the man and being the targeted and being double teamed and triple teamed. And we've not had the players take advantage of that. Yeah. And this season, they are. Yeah. And it's, it's very obvious that players like... Leonard Floyd are taking advantage of that space and eating. Definitely. John, anything else to add on the game? I just want to, you know, give a bit of praise to Ernest Jones for his first, you know, start. I thought he had a great debut. Um, led his in tackling, picked up an interception, half a sack, and he got, I believe he got a game ball as well for it. So, I mean, he, he came in and done a great job um, for a rookie. So, I mean, hopefully with you know, what we're probably going to come on to talk about. He's alongside Floyd. He's another one that's going to really get a good chance to grow going forward as a linebacker. Tony, anything else from you? The other thing I wanted to mention, really, was it's worth noting that both Woods and Henderson 
had rushing and receiving touchdowns this week. And I think that oh, yeah. I think that just shows the versatility of the tools that Stafford is playing with now. Yeah, and that shows them that they playbook, doesn't it? It's he, he can mix it up whichever way he wants, and especially I, th- I think the way that we were playing in the, in the sort of the second and the third quarter on Sunday, I think. I think I either three of us could probably have got a touchdown at one point, but <laughs> and I think the other the other thing worth mentioning as well is that you know Thursday night football the Cardinals did take that loss, so it was it was doubly important that we take advantage of that and yeah. come away with the win to to level up, even though they've got the tiebreak over us at the moment. Mm-hmm. We at are breathing moment. right down their necks at the moment, definitely. Good stuff, good stuff. So we'll, we'll put that one in the can, and I'm going to actually hand over to you now, Tony, to. Uh, Take us through what has been a very interesting few days since the game <laughs> against the Texans in, in a few movements within the team. There has, and I'm not sure I've got them all, but I think I was talking before the podcast, and I think John's <laughs> able to fill in some of the gaps that I missed. So I, th- I think the first significant one is that 2 2 well is pretty much out for the season. Um, and I know some people, I can hear people cheering in the background, which isn't a nice sound really because he is a Rams player and it's never nice to see any player injured doubly so when it's your own team but you know he's not performed particularly well for us so it's an opportunity here to for somebody else to have a crack at that that punt returning kick returning as long as it's not Cooper Cup Um, (laughs) that's the first one to take um um note of um Deshaun Jackson has been waived we didn't find a a trade partner, so he has departed, which is a bit of a shame because I, I thought he was a really good tool for the team. And um, I know Vince Kitagawa said that um, when you're in the stadium, everybody takes notice when Deshaun comes onto the field to play mm. because he is that deep threat. And you know, he's, he's either going to be a complete distraction, there's going to be something happening, or he's going to come off, break out of great play. So I, I think he's a great shame. I'd like to thank him for his, his time with the Rams and wish him Just well. Just to, to sort of jump in on that, if we didn't, if we haven't found a trade partner for him, why wave it? I, I, don't, think do I don't think his heart was with us anymore. And, okay. you know, you, you, you don't want that type of, you don't want that sort of negativity in the changing room. If he's decided that he doesn't want to be here and we've said, well, fair enough, then, yeah, leave, separate. Okay. I just find it quite interesting that a professional sportsman, and I always find that in, in any kind of sport, where they don't want to play. And I, do, I, I don't know what that was, actually, because I, I think we touched a little bit on it last week, is or during the week, actually, in a few things, because I don't know how his position with the Rams was sold to him when he joined us. But I, I don't think his idea is the same idea as Sean McVeigh's. Mm. And he I, I, was never going to be wide receiver one or even two. He was always going to be three. He was always going to be that deep threat. And the thing that's really maybe pushed his nose out has been the, the form of Van Jefferson. Yeah. Which is, which is great that we've got a young player pushing a, a veteran out like that. But I can't feel great for that veteran. But in... I, I don't know. Would would you as a veteran? Would you stay and chase the ring, the Super Bowl, just to say that you won on a potentially Super Bowl bound team? Not to get too far in front of ourselves, or do you want to play the reps for another team? And I don't know if he's going to get picked up by anybody. 
because I, well, I, I don't know anything could happen, I suppose, but I, I, it, it feels as though he wanted to be more involved. He wanted to be a more important yeah. player. And I think he, he's been injured a bit, hasn't he, in, in his career as well. And I suppose you're probably right in you're saying that he wants more reps. But yeah. then it's also, is I don't know, it's about success within a career as well. And I suppose if he wanted to be more part of that success rather than just being in a successful team, I suppose you're probably right there. So, no, I just found it quite interesting. It is what, quite interesting, but I wish him well. So, sorry, John, go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, I just wonder if he would have felt differently if he waited until after Sunday before, you know, kind of whether it was a mutual agreement or if he asked for a trade. I wonder if he would have felt differently after Sunday, you know, with Atwell coming out. Um, and then, obviously, there was a, a worry about Jefferson at first that it would have potentially given him more of a chance. So it makes you wonder if he, he kind of jumped the gun a bit too much, you know, quickly. And it's one of the ones that it's a case of McVeigh's being like, right, well, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. I only want guys that want to be here. So let's try and find you a, new, a new team. But by the deadline, if we don't find a new team, you're, you're gone. Um, but, I mean, who knows what's really happened behind the scenes. It's just pure mm. speculation. But, you know, just answer what you guys were saying about, like, as a veteran, would you sit there, chase the ring, or would you go elsewhere for the reps? I, 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 don't, I don't know what Jackson is, sees of this Rams team to not think that he potentially had a good, a good shout at going after a ring. And for someone at his stage in his career, uh, he's not going to go to a team that's going to be going after a ring if they're going to pick him up. Because if anyone's going to pick him up, he's not going to. He's probably going to be in the, the exact same position he was with the Rams, unless he goes to someone who's absolutely desperate for receivers. So, I I don't understand why he wouldn't want to just you know set out, set not not necessarily set out, but you know like go along for the ride. Because I think it was only a one year deal he was signed to, if I'm right. Yeah, so and I think it, it could have just surprise. It was a bit of a surprise to a few of us when it actually happened, and when he's now sort of he's been waived, he's obviously available to pick up you. I only see him being picked up at a, a Jags or a Jets. Or yeah. A, do you know what I mean? And is that what he wants? That maybe it is. I don't know. Who don't knows? Know. Sorry, Tony. We, carry we on. May, we, may, we may never know. But obviously, the, the big move of the week was, I don't know if you guys remember, of this actually happening just a couple of days ago. Um, Von Miller has now joined. Um, no, he hasn't. He has, he has. No, this hasn't been put across social media for at least 10 minutes. Yeah, I thought it was a dream I had the other night. <laughs> so, now, the, Rams, this... the, the Rams have traded away both a second and a third round draft pick. We're not in interested exchange. in the draft. We don't do Packs draft are overrated. <laughs> but more importantly, you know, Von Miller comes into the, the Rams team and the Denver Broncos swallow $9 million worth of his $9.75 million contract. Nice. So there is, there is there is virtually zero hit to our salary cap. And bearing in mind, I think we had like $5.4 million in the salary cap. Um, that I, I think that's a pretty sweet deal. And he's not a bad player neither, is he? Yeah, I mean, obviously he missed the 2020 <laughs> season through injury. But yeah. he's, he's played seven games this season already for, for Denver with four and a half sacks and 19 combined tackles. And this is what I was saying earlier about, about my guy, Floyd, was you, and, and it was again, they were talking about it on Total Access. Check me out watching all the NFL programs late at night. Um, 
it's getting I think it was um Carr who was talking about it on there, how scary this Rams defense can now be because you've got another piece to the jigsaw. So you concentrate on Miller or Donald, but then you forget about Ramsey or Leonard Floyd. Okay, we'll concentrate on them. Oh no, you've left them two on their own. It's there's a serious pack being put together there. Now, when we went for our Super Bowl run a few years ago when they brought in Sue and then Donald was on it was effectively the line was the the sort of the hit. There's now A star players across that defense, which is where some people will say championships are won on the defensive side of the ball, but I think it's there's some serious, serious work being done in by the genius that is Mr. Mr. Sneed. John, do you agree? Taking a deep breath on this one because I may go off in one here for a good reason. Um, <laughs> I was absolutely over the moon when this trade came through. I couldn't believe it. I think the Discord channel I posted the gif of Mr. Bean dropping the mug in total shock, <laughs> which was my genuine reaction when I saw it pop up in my Twitter feed. Um, for the record, Von Miller is one of my favourite players that isn't or wasn't a Ram. Um, ever since he came into the league, um, I've always kind of looked forward. Um, the Broncos have been kind of one of those teams that I've always kind of liked to see do well on the other conference. Um, his career speaks for himself. Um, I remember watching him in a combine and I thought, Just, I wish we could draft this guy. We drafted him this year. We, we drafted Robert Quinn, you know, who was great for us. So it's not like... Oh, we drafted somebody awful we could look we could have won if we could have traded for him you know um he's going to bring much needed experience in a position where you know a few weeks ago we were talking about potentially moving Taylor Rapp and as a linebacker um he's got like with that experience the likes of Floyd the likes of Jones are going to have the chance to you know come on leaps and bounds in terms of being mentored by someone who's you know he's been there done it he's got the ring he knows what that feeling's like to cut him you know, um, mm-hmm. it's a guy like I've wished has played ever since he was drafted. Um, and it's one of the ones like, um, kind of similar to like Clay Matthews in his season at Rams. He kind of like rejuvenated his career a wee bit, even though he, he kind of just disappeared. We, we, we obviously released him that, but he came in, he came in and had a great season with Miller being out last year. You know, he's played he's played seven games this year and he's got great stats. You know, he's he's got the most sacks out of everyone who's active in the league at the moment. Um, I think he's got about 20 over uh, AD, um, but I'm sure AD will catch up on him eventually. Uh, so he's got a lot longer to go in his career. But for the fact that we're only paying 700 grand for him, <laughs> like, oh my God, we've won a watch here. But it makes me wonder uh, was the Kenny Young trade to make way for Von Miller? Was it a case of we sent Young first, they've got a good look at him, played him? Yeah, we're happy. We're we're now willing to talk about trading Von Miller to you. Is it one of ones? Because when it came through after I kind of you know came off the ceiling, I started questioning myself. Why didn't we just trade Young as part of this? Surely we could have just maybe traded Young and maybe a pick instead of the two picks, or maybe we could have just traded Young for him. But um, the more I think about it, perhaps it was a case of we'd already approached about Miller and they said, look, no, 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 we can't we can't afford to give up him. Even though he was out last year, he's still a big a big hitter for us. You're going to have to give us something a bit more. And we've said, well, do you know what? Here's Kenny Young. Because Kenny Young, was, he wasn't happy about it at first. So it's almost as if we've kind of done it to like you know make way for this trade to happen. And we've never been happy about it. They've been 
you know, more than happy to say, right, okay, you can take him. And whatever business that our guys have, like, you know, Steven that have done in the background is just amazing to get them to eat nine million out of his contract. And I believe that um, uh, Jordan Rodriguez confirmed that the Rams are very much open to keeping him past this year. So that the you know the back office and McVay aren't looking at this from a point of view he's a, a you know a rental, so to speak, until the end of the year. But even if he did leave, we would be looking at a, a pretty good compensation pick. So like we'll get one of the picks that we've just given up back. But personally, to be honest, like I I, I think he, that he's going to be a, he's going to come in. He'll do well, and he'll be still there next year. Um, but in terms of like you said yourself, Chris, the defense as a whole, like we've got a star in nearly every position. See if we could just get like a like an all like an all star safety would that would be totally set on defense. Um, having Ramsey, you know Floyd, Miller, Donald, and you know it, it's it's actually wrote down that like I'm, I'm kind of nicknaming those guys, the four horsemen in Apocalypse, because that's how quarterbacks have got to look at them now coming forward. You've, I mean, got, to get if, this, you've got to get that tweeted on a hashtag, mate. You could be trending <laughs> by, by I Sunday night. I could go viral on that, eh? <laughs> if I was a quarterback, you know, looking up, you know, it's, it's, it's bad enough looking up and seeing Aaron Donald not blinking, staring at your eyes. You get Jalen Ramsey doing it, Floyd's doing it, and then you're going to have Von Miller doing it. You know, these these are guys. All four of them. I think Ramsey's even. I'm sure Ramsey's picked up a sack. All these guys can come at you, and they'll 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 put you in the ground. So it's got to strike a lot of fear in the quarterbacks going forward, which is going to be good for us in terms of the confidence in the defense. Because I know there's been a few games where we felt like the defense hasn't been as good as it was last year. And with how good the defense was last season, we've kind of set the standard that that's where they should be with the caliber of players we've got. And, you know, that's that ceiling hasn't lowered. If anything, it should be moving up and up because we've got the likes of Floyd who's totally feasting. And now we're going to have Von Miller hopefully doing the same right beside him because, you know, they can double team Aaron Donald all they want all day. They've not got enough players for Floyd, Miller and Ramsey now. And possibly Jones, like I said, Dylan, because, you know, hopefully he's going to be another one that will come on really well now that we've got someone uh, that's got elite experience at the linebacker role. And who knows, maybe even like, you know, Troy Reader will be able to improve a bit more because I know he's been a bit ropey this season. And it's like you say, since Quinn, we, we haven't really had anybody at that position that we were of any note. I think Littleton, obviously, we were, we were I think all of us on here were, were a bit upset when obviously he left and we thought we could obviously have seen something in that. But it's it's like I said, I'm glad you took a deep breath there as well, John, because that was f- intense. <laughs> I'm going to take a uh, shot at my ass, man, here now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I was, again, surprised when you kind of, you get the notifications up on your phone and it's like, it, it was a little bit like the Stafford situation for me. And it was a bit like, really? Hold on a minute. Let me put my glasses on to make sure I'm reading that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what what else has been happening? Um, Travin Howard, um, linebacker, has a hamstring injury, so he's gone to injured reserve. Um, I think we was all a little bit concerned that um, Andrew Whitworth and Sebastian Joseph Day both missed the the Texans game, but they're they're looking to be back for the Titans game. Darius Williams is back; he's practicing this week. 
Um, so that's all looking good on that side of the ball. Um, and John's going to have to help me out here because there's three players. Um, Jacob Harris, you said that Sean McVeigh is now seeing as more of a wide receiver. Is that right, yeah. John? Yeah, in his press conference earlier on, just about an hour or so ago, he was uh, he was talking about the likes of you know Joseph Day coming back, Whitworth coming back, Darius Williams coming back, although he's taking the kind of data time phase and then um, he did mention um, about JJ Koski coming yeah. in as a free agent, um, and he's previously kind of worked returner role, um, but he mentioned Jacob Harris just out of the blue and said that he's been working more as a wide receiver. In practice in that tight end, and that's how they view him. So, you know, the, the, there was a there was I think it was a question a couple of weeks ago. It asked about like you know with him or Hopkins step up. Um, it doesn't look like so. It doesn't look like McVeigh sees him long term, and I think that's maybe down to the fact that um, with his background, you know, being you know you know football like soccer for the Americans, um, that's more his background. He's got more of fitness and you know stamina and speed from that. That maybe he's seen it well. You're not really big enough to block as a tight end in our system, but you've got the speed. So it's interesting to see that he's perhaps kind of tweaking his role and maybe he might factor into returns at some point as well. Interesting. So I think, I think that's all the players we've um, that have been moving this week, Chris. <laughs> so you have also been asking us, Tony, this week to... Grade. So you you sent a message out to the to all of us within the group and asking us to grade the season so far. What was your was thoughts a, behind that? It was, it was it was a question we received on on Facebook actually. I thought instead of just doing it in the podcast, we should get everybody's viewpoints on this. And interestingly, I'll wrap this up with the um, the predictions we made pre season as well. That in so much as that. Five of the six of us, so that's Aaron, Jordan, Chris, Tom, and myself, had us at six and two at this point in the season. There's only Rob, who correctly had us at seven and one. Oh no, did he? He did. He has. That's annoying. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Robbie's doing a little jig at the moment. He's he's the man at the moment. Um, I don't think he, he didn't predict the actual game we was going to lose. No, it doesn't count. No, because actually he did. Oh, he did. God. He had us losing to the Cardinals. Oh, God. That's just... Oh, God. He, that's and, he, and he's on next week, ladies and gentlemen. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, so I think that's interesting. So Aaron had the, the season as a 7.5. Jordan had it an 8. Chris, what was your grade? 8. Excellent. Rob had it a 7.5. Tom thinks it's a 9. Um, and I'm going to stick with the 7.5. I think there's been lots of things right with this season. But even though we're at 7 and 1 and looking good, I think there's still things that we could have done better. And we've, we've probably addressed those in the last week, to be honest. Um, so I think there's lo- there is room for improvement. We, we know there's room for improvement. Um, but I, I think we can... We can, we can, this is a great platform to actually move on from. And I'm conscious that John needs to come in here and, and actually give us his grade for the season as well. I kind of marked his run about kind of 7.5 slash 8. Uh, and, and it was more actually the defence and special teams that would have brought us down. I would have put us at 9 if we had last year's defence um, at this point in time. Uh, 
our offense, I think, is still not quite at top gear. I think we're like, you know, if, if it's, you know, a six-speed gearbox, we're in fifth gear at the moment, and we're, you know, we're very close to right. We're, we we know what everyone's capable of. We're chopping, not when I say chopping and changing, like the point you guys mentioned earlier about like Hendo and Wood, Woods both like exchanging rushing and passing touchdowns. We're able to mix up our plays and that, so we know what we can throw at other teams. So we know what we're capable of in offense. I think in the next couple of weeks, our defense is going to probably solidify. I saw like at this moment in time, I'm probably closer to the eight, but I think. In a couple of weeks' time, I would push that up to a nine. But in terms of like the records of where we're at the moment, like you know, looking back at what we had, like you know, you know, the Bears, Colts, the Bucks, um, you know, we were three no to start with. I actually, would have had us at two and one after the Tampa Bay game. I would have probably seen us still at seven and one at this point, but it would have been the Bucks game that would have lost because coming out of you know that Tampa game, I was like. I think I, I was. I think it was when I first came on the podcast. I, I was saying like, this team's capable of everything. Like you know, we can go all the way here. And then it was back down to earth next week with the Cardinals because it was one of the ones I just I, I couldn't see. But I've got a great record against the Cardinals and totally underestimated them. But like in terms of record, I would I would I would have probably said we're at where we're at because you know Texans, Lions, Giants, you know. Done, done, not really. No, Texas a couple of years ago, but it would have been a strong team. That would have been an even tougher game. Um, but in terms of the, the the kind of schedule we've got, I would say that our record reflects accurately where we should be at. Although I would have liked to have to been eight and zero, obviously. Excellent. I think that covers that piece, um, Chris. Okay. Anything else you got on that, then, Tony? Across anything else about the Greys predictions, draft picks, trade? I think, I think we did want to cover the draft picks, didn't we? So yeah. um, we do actually have four picks left for the next draft in 2022. Oh, really? We a... I thought Sneed was going to go on holiday. <laughs> we could all decamp to the war room in Malibu and look out at the Pacific <laughs> Ocean. We do actually have a third, a fifth, and two seventh round picks left in the bag. Although we are due... Um, compensatory picks. So How many do we know? Well, in theory, you're only supposed to get four. And we're due four for, because we lost John Johnson, Samson Ebercombe, Gerald Everett, Troy Hill and Morgan Fox. So we should rack up the, the, four, the full four picks there. However, we also hired Brad Holmes. Oh, sorry. So we do Brad Holmes because he was hired as a as a Lions yeah. GM. So because we lost him, we do a fifth, and that's outside of the normal formula. So the four plus the five will back up to nine picks. So where do those compensation picks go? Most yeah. of them will come in round six. Those lovely, okay. lovely round six. Um, but um, where is it? NFL.com have us won a piece in rounds three and four and three in round six. Okay. So that would give us two in round three, one in four, one in five, three in six, and then two sevenths. So so we might be a bit busy then. 
We might be very busy on on, on day two anyway, on day three. Or, or we'll have done a trade when it's happened and we haven't got any left. <laughs> but, but, but it gives us trade capital, you know. If you've got nine picks yeah. and two, two of them are thirds, one's a fourth, you've got a fifth, two, three sixths, two sevenths, you know, that's... That's that's capital to move them. You know, in theory, you could move it up into to round two with a combination, yeah. a couple of those picks. And I think it's a, a conversation for further on down the line. But the the one and the, the position that we were saying before, obviously, you were mentioning about on on the defensive side, John. But for me, the concentration has got to be for a second tight end. That that's my opinion anyway, because. If anything was to happen to Higby, like we were saying there about Harris and so on, it's who else steps up. And I think that if it doesn't happen internally with the players that we've already got, I think that's got to be the one potential either trade option moving up the draft to, to have a look at that. Yeah, because, I mean, we drafted Harris as a tight end and obviously when we've got mm. a proper look at him, McVeigh's re-evaluated and reassessed him. So actually, no, you're more of a receiver. But I suppose at the time... Wouldn't have, wouldn't have known that. So yeah, I, I, I would agree that a tight end is one position when we do come to the draft, unless it's been addressed internally as yeah. a position that we should look definitely look to. Well, we're more like we'll probably trade for one. Let's be real here, then draft one. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Tony, are we done on that bit? Yes, we are. Those are all the numbers I have. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, so we move on to Sunday night football and... Are we looking at a one? Are we looking at a one twenty kickoff? We are. To see, the Americans move their clocks back this weekend yeah. as well, so we're, we're back to the normal time slots. The um, the unsociable hours for us to watch the game in the UK, and I know we're we're listening to again further on into the continent as well, where it gets even later or earlier, whichever way you want to look at it. So, the Titans, we are. Facing up against the number one team in the AFC, which I don't think I probably would have thought I'd be saying that, John, at this point of the season, if I'm honest. Are they actually rated number one? I didn't know that. Yeah. I would not have thought that. Um, like when I look at where like like you know, the offenses, defences are rated that they're a kind of mirror image of us. They're better on the ground, but we're far superior in the air than they are and our defences are kind of roughly about the same but I wouldn't have had them down as number one in so the AFC so they're number one obviously in, in the AFC at the present moment in time in the in the standings um, that obviously could be down to divisional situation however but that's where they sit so but their biggest threat is on the treatment table being Derek Henry and, and Tony do you see that as a big plus for us I mean it's, it's a great shame that we're not going to put pitch our defence against somebody like that. But mm. obviously it's a it's a great boon for us because at the end of the day we just want the we just want the win. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting that although the Rams faded away in inverted commas in the last game, you know, the Titans just came out of overtime. Yeah. So they had a really tough game against the Colts and, and only came away with a three-point win in overtime. So they, they're not having things all the way. They are 6-2, and two, and that is, the, that is the best record in the AFC, John. Um, you, you've got the Raiders and the Ravens and the Bills at 5-2. and two. So they're out there by themselves, are, are the Titans. So it's, it's not it's not going to be an easy game. I'm, I'm pleased that it's at SoFi, um, and I'm, I'm quite pleased that... Um, at least one of their star players won't be on the pitch for them. 
What do, do you see John as then now their biggest threat? What have we got to look out for? Because effectively that's going to completely change their playbook, I suspect. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, they've just brought Adrian Peterson in as a free agent. I mean, granted, they've signed him to the practice squad, but I would probably expect him to definitely play against us on Sunday. Um, they've been brought in practice squad, 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 sorry, just to bring him up to speed. Um, and, you know, even at his age, you know, um, he's, still, he's still a good running back and he, he, he will be a good addition for them, you know, to fill in for Henry being out. Um, but I mean, you, you know, they've got they've got you know Julio, Julio Jones at right receiver. But like looking at his stats for the season, he's only managed one game where he's got over a hundred yards. And every other game, he's he's been less than sixty yards. And I'm I'm not sure if he's I think he's only he's only had one touchdown so far. Um, but AJ Brown uh, in the last two games, he's put up nearly three hundred yards. Um, so he's kind of in on a bit of a game. So he looks like he's kind of the number one receiver. Uh, so that that'll be Ramsey's task, then, do you think? Yes, I I think they'll probably get Ramsey to focus on focusing Brown rather than Jones. Um, Williams will probably keep an eye on Jones for us, I think. Um, but like looking elsewhere in the receiver, when I started looking through the receiver corps to see what their stats were like, I had to jump back and then check Tannehill's stats um, because despite you know them being you know with their record they are the the number one seed in the AFC, like. Tannehill's only thrown 10 touchdown passes out, out of 11 for the team, um, whereas like Stafford's thrown 22. <laughs> you know, Henry's rushed for 10. So Stafford's thrown for more touchdown passes than the Titans have scored. You know, that, and that's taken out, and out of like any Henderson or Woods' touchdowns. So, it whilst, yeah, it's, it's not going to be an easy game. Let's, put, you know, let's make, make that clear. Tannehill, I think, is one of those guys he looks like a good quarterback because he has a pretty damn good running back right next to him. I mean, I don't think you can argue that Derek Henry is probably the best running back in the league right now. You know, but that, that but that's behind Cam Akers. But he's not really had a chance to, you know, usurp the king yet, I guess. But with Henry not there, Tannehill's got to totally change his game. They, you know, looking at, you know, their stats kind of come in this game. They look like they've just kind of mostly hand the ball off, hand the ball off. He'll, he'll, he'll run it in. No one's going to stop him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they've, they're going to adapt their playbook with a totally different running back next to Tannehill and them probably having, you know, to throw more passes. Um, I mean, going into it, like, with Henry potentially playing at the time, was kind of generally quite worried about this game because our run defence at times hasn't been the greatest. Been sketchy, uh, isn't it? Yeah, very sketchy. But that's then, it's like, as this week's progressed, we've traded for Von Miller and I thought, oh, fantastic. We've got a good elite level, potential elite level, you know, linebacker there that can really help try and put a stop to the, the run. And then Henry's been ruled out for the rest of the season. Um, so it's made me more confident that we can win, but I don't think it will be easy. Um, so I'm hoping I'm hoping that we're going to absolutely go out and annihilate them now. But that's it, because most weeks I've said that yeah we'll win this easy. So I'm going to be a bit more <laughs> reserved with my prediction this week. <laughs> Do you think? Because we'd like to hope that that the coaching staff Tony are looking ahead at games before we obviously get into that week. You obviously got to look ahead and, and plan ahead. How different do you think the conversations will be in the coaching rooms and the team rooms now that they're not going to have that Henry attack and they are going to have to maybe change their playbook? 
I mean, obviously the Titans are going to have to play, change their playbook, obviously. Um, do we need to change our playbook that much? I mean, obviously, it depends if Adrian Peterson does come through to play. But we've got enough tape on the Titans from this season where we can actually... The only thing that's changed is, is the personnel at that running back position. So I don't think we need to change our 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 game plan that much at all, to my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I think it's going to be an interesting one, and, and I think it, right in what you, you were saying before, I think it's a bit it's a shame for him. Obviously, I think it it looks like he's he's broken his metatarsal, which as as an Englishman we all sorry John, but we we know what the metatarsal is when it comes to Mr. Beckham, it was probably the most researched bone in, in any kind of the body figure for months. Um, but it looks like he's going to be out for eight to ten weeks. So this could actually, John, have quite an effect even on their playoff hopes, really. Potentially, yeah. Like I said, the, the, Tannehill's going to have to kind of adapt his gameplay and he's probably going to have to maybe go to there a bit more. Because um, while staging Pearson could come in here, um, and do well for them. Um, it's one of those ones, and you think about it as any player coming in, because I was thinking about this with, like, from Von Miller's perspective, he's going to have to come in and learn a playbook in a few days. And I'm not saying that either player isn't capable of doing it, but their involvement in the game may not be you know, as much as it would be next week. So mm. I think in terms of like what you're saying, you're asking about how, how do your coaches approach it, I don't think for a second your coaches are going to change our preparation going to this game, it's going to be, it doesn't matter who's lined up next to the quarterback, who's been handed off the ball, it's still the running back, it's still the same play, their jobs are exactly the same, no matter who's got that ball, so I don't think from our perspective, we're going to, we're going to still probably plan and execute our game plan the way we would even if Henry was playing, but I think that yeah, this potentially could derail the Titans because Henry's just such a big player for them yeah. and he's capable of so much and you know he is as a running back he is a bit of a highlight reel let's be honest yeah he's a beast fair dues Tony so I'd see this one going um, Rams win score yes definitely a score uh, <laughs> by, by 10 by 10 by 10 okay John by 13 We've, uh, I think we have averaged at least 20 points in every game this year. Uh, so I think, I don't know, if, if we get over, apparently if we go over 30, we're more likely to win the game. So yeah, I'm going to say maybe like 30, 17 to Rams. Okay. I'm going to go for a, a more convincing on that. I think we'll win the game by 20. <laughs> Put your money That's, on that, Chris. You, put, you, got, you got a shiny pound coin out for that. Yeah, I may. Yeah. And do you know what? When I was on the last pod, I think I got the, the score line. I was only four points out on my last score prediction. And I'm pretty sure you promised me a holiday. So that you was. Mean, you mean what? you promised yourself a holiday on my behalf? This again. You need to pay up, Tony. Pay up. But no, I'll, um, I don't think they'll score over. I don't think they'll score over 13 points. I think we will go all in on them. And I don't think they they'll struggle because they're missing their biggest piece. Um, so that that's where I see it going. Tony, what the socials looking like? What questions have our lovely listeners been asking? 
Well, we we had the big question from um, Andy Lamble, which we've already covered, which they on a scale of one to ten for the season. So I hope he feels he's got value for his um, question there. And uh, let's else have a look. Uh, Michael Woods asks, who else is looking forward to the draft? Well, Michael, <laughs> given our discussion about how many draft picks we potentially have, I think we're all looking forward to the draft now. <laughs> I do look forward to the draft and then actually figure out, hold on a minute, why am I watching the draft? We're not even in it till day four. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy Watkins has a, has, has a question here, and maybe go to John on this one first. Seeing how we shipped 22 points in just over five minutes, what do you think of our backup players? <laughs> I think, I, I think I think I kind of alluded my, to my answer to this earlier on and covered it um, when I was talking about Wilford. For starters, I don't see Wilford as a long-term backup quarterback and I do think that, you know, it's, it's a position we're going to have to look at improving on. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, we could look at someone, for example, like Trevor Lawrence, you know, when he becomes available, you know, when the Jags pick the next quarterback at the draft next year. Yeah, but that's not that's, that's not me saying I want loans. That's me just having a, a dig at the Jags, picking a quarterback every year. Love <laughs> right. it. But uh, in terms of elsewhere, um, I think one thing to point out, right, is I think the way we're kind of looking at it is all of our backups came in more or less at the same time. But having you know the likes of you know Whitworth was out this week, so Noblem have to fit in for him. Uh, and I think on the D line we had gains fill in for Joseph Day. I think we do have good backup players that are capable of fitting in, you know, and not necessarily plugging a gap, but coming in and performing alongside the starters are there. But I think it was a case of if we took quite a few injuries and lost quite a few starters, then it does raise the valid question that Andrew's brought to us that what do we think about them? And the answer is, you know, as a collective group, it's not the strongest backup we've got, but that could potentially be down to, you know, contracts and who we're, who we're paying out elsewhere to have the team we've got. But we've got the likes of, you know, Jones, who was a backup that's now moved up. I mean, he might move back down with Von Miller coming back and who knows what we're going to do with our linebacking core. We do have guys that are capable of stepping up. You know, Don't Dean came from practice squads. You know, I don't you know, I don't think you can necessarily call him a backup, but he kind of was a backup, so to speak. He came in and he's made the position his own. So there is guys that can step up and they can perform, but I don't think as a group, if they would all come in at the same time, they're good enough. But definitely the one position, I, I, well, actually two, because Chris raised that as well. I think quarterback and tight end is the two positions we'd probably have to address you know, bringing a bit more quality in as our backup for. Uh, I think that's a really comprehensive answer you've given there. It's, I, I think it, that is the problem, is that we brought the the backups in on block, and that was the problem. It's not that any of them are particularly bad. It's just that, that difference in quality between starting NFL players and your backup players, bringing them in as a core unit. And that's what the Texans took advantage of at the time. So I think I think we've answered uh, Mr. Watkins' question there. So here, here's one that you're going to love here, Chris. Gary mm. Cook asks, if we take today as day zero, until the end of the season, who's going to have more sacks out of... Aaron Donald, Von Miller, or Leonard Floyd? Oh, what a question that is. Oh. 
I'm probably going to go Leonard Floyd. Really? Yeah, because I think within that, he could be the forgotten man. Because, because he's not a name. But yeah, because Von Miller will be targeted by a block and AD will be basically looked after by the whole offensive line, which then leaves Floyd. So I think he could actually, again, like I said before, benefit from who is on there with him. I, 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 I think that's definitely voting with your head rather than your heart there, Chris. Mm, definitely, because AD would have been my first choice. But when you actually watch the game, and, and it, it baffles me how he sometimes even gets through them, but he's got that much to get past. And he's and for me, he's held on most plays. That's maybe my untrained, biased eye looking at it. But some of the calls you see for... for defensive holding or offensive holding, whichever way you're playing it. Donald is held on every play in my eyes because he's just... But there you go. That's just how I see it. Excellent. That's a good summary, Chris. John, do you want to have a, a punt at that? Can't disagree with anything Chris has said. My head would have said Floyd as well. If we're taking today's days, days you know, I probably have said for my love because Eddie's going to have at least, you know, two or three guys mm. holding him, basically. Um, but... You know, going on my head, Floyd would be my pick. He's he's totally in in form right now, and I think you know, in terms of who guys on you know the other side of the ball are picking up for our defense to, you know, try and stop Floyd is going to be the one that they would probably more consistently miss out on. Yeah, I think that's really great analysis. Really, it really is using your head over your heart because you know. The defense is going to scheme for Aaron Donald and Von Miller, and you know the, the likelihood is that they will forget about the the non superstar uh, of Leonard Floyd. So I, I think that's a really it's a really good question. There's a couple of really good answers there, guys. Well done. Um, Thank you. No, no problem. Uh, Brandon Johnson, do you think the Rams will have Noteboom take over the Whitworth spot if he retires, or they look outside for a new left tackle? I don't know if you want to take a first punt at that one, John. Uh, well, I mean, he played in the role on Sunday mm-hmm. and he did a good job. Um, there's there's nothing to say that, you know, no, he won't take over. I guess it it comes down to whoever we can get to pick, I guess, in the draft. Because um, I think, I think you know, most years we, did, we do tend to pick at least one offensive lineman. So... Let's let's be honest. Whitworth's not going to play forever, and there's a there is a good chance that this, you know, will be his last season. Um, you know, especially you know when we do win the Super Bowl, of course. Um, so. Oh my God, he said that. <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> I'm just being optimistic. You no, know, I, I, well, realistically, I think Whitworth, this is probably going to be his his last season. I think you know. Knowing that the the Super Bowl is going to be in our home stadium, you know, I think he was maybe thinking that you know one more year, give it a go for it. Um, so, you know, if it if he does stay on another year, then perfect. I mean, there's nothing to say he's, he's not capable of it. It's purely down to his, you know, how how his body feels and whatnot. But every yeah, again, it just depends. You know, whether us needs traded away draft picks that we can't pick anyone in our line or not, uh, because he's you know he's brought in another superstar. On offense or what? So, I think yeah, I think Nobleum probably will take over from him, and we will probably you know look to draft a left tackle. But I think 
we just have to see what happens come draft time, I guess. But yeah. I mean, fingers fingers crossed, Whitworth could go another year. I mean, I think I, I think he's capable. I've not seen anything from him this season to tell me that you know he's 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 off the pace. You know, for a guy his age, he's he's still pretty much on it. So I mean, fingers crossed, we've got another year out of him. But Noblin does look to be his, his replacement. Yep, uh, I, I can't disagree with that. I think the ideal situation would be if um, we see Andrew Whitworth moving into the coaching team. I, I would absolutely love that. And he, he takes on that sort of con- coaching and mentoring room for, role for, for whoever does come after him. And, you know, who's, who's to say that we're not going to pick up a, a veteran left tackle like we, like we did with Andrew Whitworth when we took him from the Bengals? So anything to add to that, Chris? No, I, I think you're right in exactly what you say. I think Note Boom is showing that he's good enough to be able to, to get in that position, dependent if he gets enough time on the on the pitch to obviously show what, what he's obviously doing uh, or can do uh, this season. Because if Whitworth comes back in, yes, he will always play. But I think he's, a like we said before, he's a good enough understudy to step in there. But I think you're probably right in what you say there. It's... Well, it's hard to say if he would fit in straight away in next season because if he then becomes the starter, he's not going to play until we get to the first game of the season because mm-hmm. he wouldn't play in in the off season or in the preseason. So it be interesting to see if they do actually trade for, like you say, as a veteran, like we did with Whitworth. It depends how McVay wants to play it and if he actually trusts with someone who he has actually been working with now for what two or three seasons already. Yeah, that's, that sounds fine. I, I was just going to try and quickly look up what we traded Andrew Whitworth for, who was a free agent at the time when we picked him up. But I mean, you know, that that was one of the greatest trades or acquisitions of, of recent time, and he's he's proved his worth season after season. And you know, if if he packs it up tomorrow, I, I think we all wish him well. Well, I think from what you see of of him as a as a person and his family and so on, I don't see him moving from LA. Um, I think his family seem quite settled where they are um, from from things that you've seen and socials and and the stuff he's doing in the community and so on. So, I do see him moving into a coaching role with the Rams. I think that's the or maybe from what we don't know from from the outside looking in, he may actually be doing some sort of internal coaching. You see that a lot in, in other sports, again, in, in football, so soccer, that they take on a coaching role in their final years of the of the career. So, no, I think it would be good to uh, to see that, definitely. Yep, excellent. I think that just about wraps up our, our questions from, from social media this week. So I, I, after what was a fairly quiet week for the Rams... Um, I, I think we've we've eked out a podcast from this one, guys. <laughs> no, it was a, a good chat, gentlemen. We are obviously looking forward now to Sunday Night Football. Tony, will you watch it live? I'm not going to. No, I've I've had to re retake my um, holiday bookings out of the calendar, unfortunately. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use Game Pass at stupid o'clock in the morning to catch up on the 40 minute highlights and try and watch them without knowing the score and results. John, I'm gonna I'm actually considering and I normally one twenty games. I normally got I'll just see I'll just see the highlights in the morning, but. I think I'm probably going to go to my bed and go up for it, to tell you the truth, just purely because I want to see if Von Miller actually plays or not. And 
I'm actually quite excited to go into this game now to see. <laughs> well, it's one of those ones. Like I think at the start of the season, the Titans were one of the teams. I think people kind of said that well, they potentially could you know make the Super Bowl. Um, so it's one of those ones. Are one of those teams that I'd like to see how we would, we actually do against because it could be someone you know. Fingers crossed if we got to it. You know, it's one of those teams that could be in a shout. Also, on the fact that we'll be wearing modern throwback as well, so it'll be good to see that getting worn. Oh, interesting. Good point. Good point. Uh, I I won't be staying up. I I have work to do. Unfortunately, the following day. Um. So I'm not sure my boss would be very happy with me falling asleep in the meeting room. Um. As I'm into the office on Monday morning, so I will try and catch the highlights before I go to the office on Monday morning. But I'm a little bit poor to the fact that Tony's quite good he puts his phone on airplane mode and doesn't see the score but that's the first thing I do even if I wake up in the middle of the night I check it <laughs> if, if, but there we go but no we're looking forward to Sunday night football thank you gentlemen for your time excellent thanks thanks for sharing Chris no good stuff cheers John thanks a lot for having us guys cheers all the best yeah all the best people stay safe and we will speak to you again next week thanks for listening to this podcast for more make sure you follow the guys on twitter instagram and facebook at los angeles rams uk or head to larams.uk for articles and merch